Friday, August 25th. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. Good to have you here. Thanks for sticking and holding out for another week with yours truly. And I'll tell you what, it's not just a normal Friday. It's a double date Friday. Not only are we dating right now. Have you lost a little weight? How are you? You look fantastic. Let me buy you a drink. It's just double date. Mm. Early sip of the day. Under hit. Sorry, everyone. I can't just be appealing to the over all the time. Sometimes I got to come in at the under, make sure everyone's got a fair wager going on. Uh, it is a double date Friday. Not only are we on a date right now, or maybe we're not dating right now, but you're going to be listening to this on podcast form a little bit later in your car this afternoon. Maybe you are listening on the podcast right now. Hello. Thank you for being on the date. There's another date coming. We are, uh, we're plusing in the morning. We're plusing at supper time as well because we got ourselves a 7 o'clock 49ers game, the final preseason tune-up against your Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they are no one's Los Angeles. That's the first time the phrase your Los Angeles Chargers has probably ever been used. Let's be honest. Um, it's a 7 o'clock kickoff, and at the two-minute warning, we're going to be going live right here. So whether you're joining me right now, thanks to technology a little bit later, come on back tonight. I would love to see a big crowd in tonight as we wrap up our final look at 49er preseason football. Obviously, an awful lot of Trey Lance, Sam Darnold in the news over the last day or two, rightfully so. You see, if you just give away constant Trey Lance, Sam Darnold talk, 365 days a year on the one day it really needs to be discussed it feels a little performative so hopefully we measured it all right it was great having jillian in yesterday thanks to all the love that we got thanks to all the ganja jar tipping that came uh, our way we really certainly appreciate all of you very very much um let's see some early uh, just hopping around on the chat before we even start here today. We saw from the postman in Capitola who always gets a oy, oy, oy! Uh, postman in Capitola says he's on the mend for the next two weeks watching the plus on my 70 incher. Send it in, Jerome. Oh, we got that one two on here. I'm pretty sure. I do I have that here? I died. Uh, I do. Man, on the mend. I hope you're okay. Hope it's nothing too serious indeed. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with this post, man. We got, uh, we got uh, Nathan Hyatt who says, you can't spell Trey Lance without smash that like button. Okay, I like that. Go, go ahead, smash it up. And uh, some sage advice from Sporticus saying, when life hands you lemons, make a cocktail. I can tell you, we will be... Probably doing some whiskey pulls on the post game tonight. Win, lose, or draw whiskey pulls. So looking forward to all of that. Thank you for being here once again. We couldn't do it without you. So I want to talk about the pressures that the 49ers are really under this season because it's intense. It is. And it's weird because I will make the argument that there is no head coach but for maybe Andy Reid in the NFL. John Harbaugh, maybe, in Baltimore. He seems to be there to infinity. But there really is no coach in football who has the kind of job security that Kyle Shanahan has enjoyed since the day he stepped into the building. Because the day he stepped into the building, you had Jed York flip him the keys, not only to the Ferrari, 
but to the car. He gave him the security code. He said, invite everyone over that you want to. They can stay in the guest house. Feel free to use the gazebo as your own, too. Like, he was given full run and reign of the property in a way that very few first-time coaches have ever been welcomed into the NFL. Kyle Shanahan has an almost insurmountable level of job security attached to the performance that he's had with the Niners. The first couple of years he was here, he gets mulligans on those as he turned the roster over. And obviously, three NFC title games in the last four seasons might not be good enough for some of you, but for football ownership that lives in the real world of how football works, that is plenty good enough for them. They're happy with the job that Kyle has done. And look, Kyle should be happy with the job that he's done, too. There are things to criticize in every single general manager and coaching resume that you'll ever look at. There is no infallible coach. There is no infallible general manager anywhere in sports. So the question is, how often do they screw up? How much does that screw up really throw a wrench into the engine and can they get over their mistakes and keep compounding the positive things that they do more often than the negative things that they do? And look, for Kyle Shanahan, the answer is an extreme level yes. He has been very successful. When it's all said and done, he is going to be the longest tenured 49er head coach in the franchise's history. I really believe that. So when you talk about job security like that, it feels like how much pressure could you really be under? Well, this is also sports. And this is Kyle chasing his own family's legacy. Of course, Kyle wants to be in the NFL to pay homage to his father's way of thinking and carry on the family business and that all means an awful lot to him. Which means he is under an intense amount of personal pressure. Not even pressure from above. Not pressure from your employer, from your gatekeeper. But the pressure that all people who are pursuing greatness put themselves under to hold their own feet to the fire. Kyle's under tremendous pressure, even though... His performance this year is probably not directly correlated to whether or not he's coming back. Kyle's not, not, there's nothing that can happen where Kyle's going to lose his job this year. Okay. I mean, the level of everything went wrong would have to be so catastrophic. I mean, they'd have to catch Kyle like doing something like criminal activity for him to lose his job. That's how much confidence this team has in him. And when you have that level of confidence in a coach, you'd never look at just one season and say, well, that is who you are. We're going to only use that to define you. He has as much job security as anyone. The power that he's been given, the endorsement by Jed York are loud. But the pressure that the 49ers, that locker room, the players, the front office, and Kyle as a coach are under are huge. They're supposed to. If you think of, I mean, what is really, what, what would be the agreed upon as long as that happened, you couldn't really complain? Well, we're beyond the NFC title game. 
like just appearing in the NFC title game would be sold and not even incorrectly sold, but as there's another underachievement because you didn't win it. So being NFC champions is the baseline of how was your season for the San Francisco 49ers. That's a monster ask. As I said, none of this is easy. None of it. Not the, the best coach with the best team and the best run franchise with all the best draft picks in the world and an advantage in terms of strength of schedule, time zone, travel, anything. Like all the advantages you could ever give a football team, whatever football team would have them still doesn't have an easy path to the Super Bowl. There is no easy path to a Super Bowl or a championship in this league, but that is the path that Kyle now walks on. His pressure, and you can see it. Like Kyle's starting to age like a president. That gray is coming in. You can see the worry lines about his face. He does a good job with the media. He gives everybody like the same scoop of robo coach speak, which sounds very, it's almost like it's got the same. What is it? Iambic pentameter. I, I might need a La Professora check on that one. But isn't that what you know? It's a, it's the way you you pace out your speech. Shakespeare used iambic pentameter to kind of have a way of talking that made everything in his plays kind of equal the same thing. And it's the same the cadence that you you know. Kyle's got a coach speak cadence down to a science. And he's up there trying to always project everything's cool, everything's fine. And in many ways, like I said, because there isn't a real threat of him losing his job, uh, yeah, everything is cool and fine to a point. But just the Kyle pressure that he puts himself under means this is this is an intense time for him in his career arc. He's got two win. He's got two seasons to win a Super Bowl. This season, next season, that's the window. Any window beyond that will be a new window. Windows can't stay open forever. Like the Warriors, they might still win another championship, but they're already to their second window. They're not trying to keep the last window open anymore. Last year was the closing of that window. This is the second window. Let's see if they can really manufacture one for himself. Kyle and the formula that the 49ers are using with pay the roster well, quarterback room is inexpensive, that's how we keep this team together. That lasts one more year beyond this year. And then things start changing. Or you are hitting the reset button with a new young quarterback or a new way of doing financial business. So it's now time. It's this season or next season for Kyle or you're working in a whole new laboratory trying to then win a Super Bowl with that experiment. But this experiment's got this regular season and next regular season attached to it. And then after that, it's going to be something new. So huge pressure, huge, huge, huge pressure. And again, people want to just use the Trey Lance failure of draft capital invested in him and where he is as QB three. And what is he going to look like tonight? And how much is he going to play? And is it going to be a, how awkward is this whole thing going to get? Or will it not really be that awkward after all? Because remember, how many times have you heard about, well, that quarterback can't be kept around anymore, and that quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy was kept around, and when you needed him, he was there for you right up until he got hurt, and thank God he was there. Jimmy bought the time that Brock Purdy needed 
to be able to step on in and look better than Jimmy Garoppolo when the reins were finally put in Brock's hands due to two injuries. So this, oh, they got to get him out of there. Trey's got to get out of there. Just it's best for everyone. It's best. I, I, I don't see how that actually is a reality. I don't. I don't. There is no team. You know, somebody pointed out in a, with a comment uh, on a video from yesterday with like, hey, Damon, you know, you were pretty convinced that Jordan Poole wasn't getting moved on from, and you were wrong about that. Maybe you're going to be wrong about this. Look, maybe I will be. But I can tell you, Jordan Poole had a market. Jordan Poole had other NBA teams sitting right up in their chair going, wait a minute. So a guy who's not even 23 years old, who put 20 on the board a night in a bad year, awkward year for him is available at a price point, which today looks rough, but a couple of years from now will look like a song because that's how all NBA salary works. The can't, can't that's too much today is a bargain tomorrow. That happens all the time. Dude, there was a market for Jordan Poole. There is no market for Trey Lance. Nobody wants to come in at Trey Lance at the price point that he's being offered for what he can then actually offer his new team. He offers any new team the same young, raw, unprepared to play quarterback that he is with the 49ers. This isn't just a, all he needs is a new situation. He needs development. And if you're saying, well, he would develop in a new situation, not at this point in the year, not at this point in the year, practice changes dramatically when training camp is over and folks training camp is over come Monday after the 49ers watch their weekend tape of this Friday night, final preseason tune-up against the Chargers, everything goes, you're, you're in Steelers week, even though it's like two and a half weeks, but you're not going out there trying to divvy up reps to get everyone to feel good. Like they got their work in, in this training. No, 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 no. It's starter gets 95% of the reps back up. You get 5% of the reps, third string quarterback, you're running scout. That's how that goes. So, Trey Lance's time to develop is kind of over. And he didn't meet the timeline as Kyle needed it met. And again, he's got an audience of one. That's it. The only person Trey Lance needed to convince I'm ready for this was Kyle Shanahan, and he didn't. You want to hold that against Kyle? Go right ahead. I can't affect the way you feel about something. But believe me when I tell you, all Kyle will ever do when the choices presented to him is put the better player in the game. The guy that he believes will help him win will be the guy that is playing. And that is the only promise I would make to you about Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Dave Lombardi was talking about how the plan for, you know, Trey Lance kind of went off the, the, the rails and he said, look, it was real simple. Here was the plan. Step one of the plan was package play behind Jimmy Garoppolo in year one. So you'd have the Trey Lance package that would be the changeup to Jimmy Garoppolo's normal offensive fastball. And that sounded very alluring and the right way to get a young player a little playing time and letting them feel the bullets and getting ready and being involved in game plans like that felt and looked like a good idea right up until he breaks his finger. And then Kyle says, look, due to that broken finger, I can't season and develop this guy the way I want to. So you know what? The trade package, that's going to go away almost before it even appears. And that is indeed what happened. 
So then the second step was Jimmy rides out that year and then in the offseason, give the job to Trey Lance. And Kyle did that. You know, people want to say that, that, that Trey's never had a chance. Kyle gave him the chance of a starting NFL quarterback. He got all the first team reps, all of them, leading up to the monsoon in Chicago, game two, he breaks his ankle, and folks, football's a violent sport, and all the best laid plans can change quickly when there is an injury. So, integration into full-time quarterback in year two was step two. Now, both of those steps were derailed by different injuries. The first to his throwing hand, the second, obviously, to the broken ankle. So that brings us to step three, and that involved, you're not ready. And even though you worked on your throwing mechanics in the offseason and everyone likes your work ethic and your professionalism across the board, that is not in question. Are you better than Sam Darnold? And if you can't go out and prove that on a practice field, I could see why Kyle, who puts more faith in actual games than he does anything else, that's why Brock Purdy remains number one, just thinks, you know, the live bullets that that Sam Darnold has been through in bad situations are going to pay off more for me as a backup quarterback than a guy who hasn't even faced a firing squad and might not be ready. Situations dictate careers as much as talent, as much as coaching. And the situation for Trey has been a tough one for him to really be who you wanted him to be in year three years. One and two had to go smoothly Neither year one nor year two went smoothly for him. And here we are. It's time for a whole bunch of 49ers fans who have just spent their last three years trying to just be Trey Lance fans to come back into the tent of reality. You have been misled. Welcome back to reality. It's football season. And your third string quarterback, by definition, until the day he matters, just does not matter. I'll tell you what absolutely matters are good sponsors. I don't know what lunch plans you got coming up for this weekend, but get yourself to Ike's delicious new premium sandwiches being offered a vegetarian sandwich called Florin, which I swear to God is good enough for non-vegetarian people to eat it and enjoy it. Uh, the Arrow, which is Wagyu Pastrami's incredible. Get the Damon Bruce. Get the Jamie Sirewitch. Get the Paul Rubens. All of the famous... Uh, the, the Logan Webb's got a good sandwich. The Madison Bumgarner's a good sandwich. You can get a Tim Lincecum, I believe. Um, delicious sandwiches across the board. Don't take my word for it. Go find out for yourself. You probably already have. Get back to Ike's as soon as you can. Uh, Uncle Boys. I saw... What was it? Uh, Michelle Haberman actually DM'd me something that I thought was really cool because, uh, uh, again, uh, communities rally around each other when something goes wrong. And, yeah, Michelle said uh, here this the Filipino-American Democratic Club of San Francisco um, says uh, one of our beloved neighborhood burger joints, Uncle Boys, was recently burglarized. Join us for a burger buyout this Sunday, August 27th. So, Starting at 1 o'clock, there's going to be a burger buyout. Get yourself uh, two Uncle Boys either before 1 o'clock or be there at 1 o'clock and give them as much business as you can as we try to right the wrong of their break-in. But it's cool to see the Filipino community rally around my friend John there, and, and the Plus community has certainly done that. And so give some love to Uncle Boys. And then, of course, 
You give some love to yourself when you settle down with a little cocktail made with blackened whiskey. Phenomenal premium whiskey by Metallica, but it is no gimmick. I'm telling you, this is great crafted American blended whiskey that is going to leave you wanting to sip more, whether that be neat, on the rocks, straight up, however it works for you, blackened Put it to work for you. You'll be very, very happy that you did. You can pick it up at BevMo or just about anywhere you go about getting your whiskey. So having tried to say, uh, you know, no matter what you've heard about how much of a disaster uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan is as a coach, that's, you know, check your sources on that. He's been a phenomenal head coach for the 49ers, all things considered. Um, his only crime is blowing some premium draft picks, which happens all over sports, and not winning a Super Bowl, which uh, the vast majority of everyone who has ever coached in the NFL also falls into that category, too. So it ain't easy. It ain't easy winning Super Bowls. But what should be easy is getting this Nick Bosa deal done. And I'm just telling you right now, if he's not here by Monday, something's funny. Something feels like it's a little funny right now. I heard John Lynch tap towing or tip tip towing, tip tap towing, tapping his toe, tip towing around, you know, some conversations that he was having on the KNBR morning show and, you know, saying that, yeah, for the first time, he is a little bit concerned. You shouldn't be. This is a situation that gets solved by money. You know, it's, it's real simple. You dicker around with prices Everywhere on your roster, so you don't need to dick around at this point in time when you're working with Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is the best player in football on his side of the ball, according to last year's Defensive Player of the Year award. You get no coupon with that guy, ever. You're not going to get one. The Bosa's drive a hard bargain. You know what? Quit making this harder than it needs to be. You've had years to prepare for this moment. So now the 49ers are coming off as if they prepared either poorly or were unprepared or didn't figure it out or didn't quite gauge the market or didn't really talk to the agent or listen to what the demands might be. And they've been twiddling thumbs on something that should have been a high five and done by now. So Nick Bosa should be announced at halftime of tonight's game as back with the 49ers. And if it's not done by end of business Monday, something is officially screwy. And everyone involved should be concerned. And I'm just telling you right now, this 49ers front office has failed this football season if anything goes wrong with Nick Bosa. And that's unfair, but I'm going to put it on him. Because how do you hold a front office in a negotiation over a price point responsible for an on-field injury? Well, maybe it's because you dicking around with that price point prevented your guy from getting into the iron sharpens iron forge to get ready for this year. Fair or foul, Nick Bosa misses a snap due to injury this season. Parag Marate's name should be at the top of that who's to blame list. Kyle Shanahan's name. I don't want to hear any more about the trainers or what they're doing to stretch out and do calisthenics. Get him in. He should have been in two weeks ago. Shame on all of you involved in this. What are you, slap dicks? Get it done. By the way, just to let you know that Trey Lance is hardly unique. In terms of what, what makes the Trey Lance situation unique is the amount of capital 
traded to go up and get a player that hasn't been a fit. But just because a player is taken at the top of the draft, you know, people want to think that that player is going to be an automatic home run for their team. It's not always the case. And, you know, the Arizona Cardinals have found that out this week. Did you see the news while everyone in San Francisco was talking about, you know, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold? Something else happened in football this week that affects the NFC West. The Cardinals made defensive hybrid Isaiah Simmons, who was the eighth overall pick of the 2020 draft. He got flipped to the New York Giants for a seventh round pick. pardon me, a seventh round pick for a guy who was the eighth overall pick in the draft. He's a line, uh, a linebacker safety hybrid who played 409 of his 897 snaps in the slot last year. And he never looked good in the slot. He never looked good as a safety and he never really looked good as a linebacker. And he's been a massive disappointment. I will attach the stink of the Arizona Cardinals to just about anything they do. And that's what the New York Giants basically said. They're like, look, he was poorly coached. He was poorly used. He was improperly diagnosed. And we're going to basically just ask him to take linebacker snaps. Or we're just going to make him a safety. We're going to try to quit fitting him into two spots since he didn't fit well into either. Reduce the the mental load on the guy. Give him one job and see if he can do it. For a seventh-round pick for the kind of talent that he brought with him to college? Yeah, the Giants do that. This is a guy who won the Dick Butkus Award coming out of Clemson, having won a national championship. Like, he was a really good college player at the highest level from college, and it hasn't worked out for him. Now, what if I told you that the quarterback who hardly played at all at North Dakota State is having a rough go of it, too? Like, you just nod your head in agreement. Like, yeah, of course that was probably going to happen. Nothing in the world, no amount of college success, no amount of postseason collegiate awards, nothing in the world proves you belong in the NFL besides you showing up and proving you belong in the NFL. The NFL takes great college resumes and spits them out like sunflower seeds all the time, all the time. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, did a video earlier this week about practice fights. What we have, uh, Jordan Mason and Diamador Lenore were exchanging real punches, according to Matt Barrows. And I even said, look, you want a couple days of fighting. at the be- you, you want a little fight at the beginning of training camp? That's fine. Everyone's trying to establish their you know courtyard dominance. And you, you, a little fight at the beginning of training camp is very business as usual. And a fight at the end of training camp when everyone's sick and tired of each other is very business as usual. But some coaches will tell you that you know enough is enough. And then once they finally say stop the training camp fights, they mean it. And Kyle's one of those guys. Kyle gets furious at training camp fights because you're wasting training camp time. And he's hating practice fights because you're wasting practice time, especially when you get together with another team and it's a joint practice. Those are real special for coaches. So you waste their time there. It really pisses coaches off. But how do you fix it? Again, how do you kennel your attack dog when you're training them to be attack dogs? It's a tough line for a coach to walk. You want everybody playing like a maniac, but you don't want anyone acting like a maniac. I saw a story You know, it seems like the, how do you unlock that formula? 
Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I think has officially unlocked the formula that should prevent any and all training camp fights towards the end of training camp. And it's better than any idea I've ever seen. I swear to God it is. How to prevent training camp fights by Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. Here are his rules. Any starter that is involved in a fight will then have to play in the upcoming preseason game. Again, it would have been a day off for you, but you got into a fight as a starter, so now you're playing in a preseason game. If you're a backup and involved in a training camp fight, you won't be allowed to play in the preseason game. I mean, mind blown, right? Something so easy, so obvious. No coach had ever thought of it before, but Kevin Stefanski got it. Boom, done, problem solved. No veteran is going to fight himself into a preseason game, and no one looking to make an NFL roster is going to fight themselves out of a postseason game. This is freaking brilliant, Kevin Stefanski. I'm not saying that you, sir, have a genius card, but in terms of preventing training camp fights, you are the Albert Einstein of that. Seriously, that's that's freaking brilliant. Really, really brilliant. So look, I want to invite everybody back tonight. I want you back with me here tonight. It'd be great to see all the Plus regulars hanging out on a Friday night. Look, it's a Friday night. What are you doing anyways? Uh, the Giants are going to be on at about 7.15 tonight. 49ers are going at 7.15. I'm going to be hopping on here at the two-minute warning. There will be bottle pulls. There will be fun. There will be a new promo, uh, a, a new a new um, a sponsor that I'm introducing you to, a handicapping service, Bottom Line Bets, run by my friend Stefan, who I went out to Vegas to see. You're looking to make some bets and you are interested in winning these bets. This guy is a true handicapper and he sells advice daily, weekly, monthly packages. I'll tell you all about it tonight, but whether you look at it this way, whether you're just fooling around or not, if you're making bets, you want to win them. This guy wins an awful lot more than he doesn't. Full stop. I've seen it with my own two eyes. You need all your data points and you need some, you know, uh, proprietary information that he does have access to because he lives in Vegas. But what you also need is a gambler's gut and he's got it, man. So uh, if you're interested in doing some wagering, not only will we have a handicapping service, but beginning next week for you podcast listeners and will be mentioned here along the show as well. We're going to be bringing in a place to place those bets even in the state of California that hasn't allowed online gambling. It is offshore, it is trustworthy, and I'll tell you all about that next week. Like I said, things are happening. September relaunch is coming your way. Thank you for being here through all of our preseason run-up to football season. We got Giants and Braves tonight the 24 Willie Mays Plaza. Uh, the Giants are now officially a dozen games through what I called was the biggest 18-game stretch of the year that would reveal what the Niners really, truly would look like come postseason play. Well, through this huge 18-game stretch, they're 12 games into it, and they're a very lame 4-8 and eight in the 12 games 
into this 18-game stretch. The final six games at home, starting tonight against the Braves, followed by the Cincinnati Reds. Logan Webb against Spencer Strider tonight. Last time Strider saw the Giants, he struck out 10 over setting seven scoreless innings, and the Braves won 4 nothing. Uh, he just faced them on this last road trip. It's a very good pitching matchup. Logan Webb and Spencer Strider tonight, but the Giants, I'm telling you, if they're going to get back into the we're going to take you seriously and really be leaning forward into the level of baseball that you're playing between now and the end of the year, they need to go 5-1 and one here, 4-2 and two at the worst against Atlanta and Cincinnati. And then they go down to San Diego, I think, for four and say whatever you want. However bad the Padres are struggling, they always got the old what fur for the Giants. It's just, you know, rivalry breeds a little contempt. And there is some there. And then after that, what are they off to the, I, I, is it the Rangers again? I, I, I don't know, but it's, it's, no, it's the Cubs, actually. I think they're going off to see the Cubs. Cubs are playing good winning baseball. I mean, the Giants picked the wrong time to everyone pee down their own legs at the same time. Ah, that's a second sip of the day. We've hit that perfect sip temperature. I made late in the day in the morning coffee. I was up so early this morning. I, By the way, I was on with Gianna on KPIX. Gianna says, hello, everyone. We're going to get her back here on the plus soon enough. Gianna, big TV star now. Um, I was asked what I thought of John Fisher and his little round of interviews that he's doing with hand-selected interviewees. All I can tell you is that the interviews he's been given, uh, you can't believe a word out of his mouth. He's lying with every sentence that he lays down, and these interviewers are all just doing a pathetic job trying to hold him accountable to a single thing that he says. Uh, it's It's gross. The Nevada Independent Journal interviewer, shame on you. I think Raj Mathai sat down with him. That wasn't a good interview. Nobody is asking this guy real questions about anything. I saw ESPN, you know, aggregate some of John Fisher's answers and try to craft a story about how he claims the team had lost $40 million and blah, 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 blah. Don't believe a word of it. Now, Oakland let him down. They didn't bring enough money to the table. They don't, don't believe a word of it. If it's coming from just John Fisher, it is by definition a fucking lie. The one paragraph in ESPN story that I thought was worthy and the only thing that could even be cut from the cloth of truth was this paragraph. The A's have the lowest payroll in baseball and have not signed a prominent free agent during Fisher's 18-year tenure. They're in the midst of one of the worst seasons in big league history. After winning 97 games in 2021, the A's tore down a young and promising team, trading all-stars Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, and Matt Chapman before the start of the 2022 season. They traded dudes with controllable years. That's the only real believable paragraph in the entire story about John Fisher's interviews. And obviously, his answers not included. The guy's a liar. I hate him. Before we get to Club Plus today, we are uh, wrapping up today's show with a little bit of a heavy heart. Not a little bit, an actual heavy heart. I know 
an awful lot of you have been paying attention to Bay Area sports for a very, very long time. And if you've been paying attention to either the A's or Giants, you knew who Michael Urban was. Michael Urban hosted shows on KNBR on 95.7 The Game, and Michael Urban was basically in the role that Alex Pavlovich and Andrew Baggerly are in now. Um, and this was during the heyday of the Bruce Bochy winning World Series era with the Giants. Michael Urban talked to an, an awful lot of you during the heyday of the Bruce Bochy era. And I'm going to tell you right now that Michael Urban was a gentle giant of a man. I read yesterday is, you know, a whole bunch of rest in peace um, correspondence and tweets came out about him. Uh, KNBR producer Thin Tim said, you know, I used to work with Inside the Bigs or whatever whatever Michael's weekend show there was and 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 he said that Michael gave the best hugs. And it's funny, I I hadn't thought of that because it'd been a while since I'd hugged Michael, but Thin Tim was right. Michael Urban gave some great hugs. He was a beautiful beautiful soul of a person. He was gentle. He was funny. He loved loved baseball. And he loved the relationships that he actually made with people. He loved his daughters. And he passed away on Wednesday at the age of 55, and it just happened to be his birthday. Still don't have any details. His brother shared the information on Facebook about how he passed on. The timing of it being on his birthday disturbs me greatly. I, I, I hope this was not a suicide. I truly hope it was not. I can tell you that Michael had health issues and had spent time in the hospital for a number of different reasons, which some of him and his habits compounded upon. Others were just bad you know, bad hand dealt to him. He had some circulatory issues. Michael was always limping because his leg had problems or was clotting. He had circulatory issues. He was not the healthiest person you've ever met, but that never prevented him from being among the happiest people you ever met. Michael Urban and I were just texting each other. Last month, he was offering incredibly warm support of what I was doing. And I mean, I'm not going to share them with you, just read them with you because it, it feels self-serving. I'm not trying to, you know, get any clicks off the passing of a friend or anything like that, a former colleague, or, but he, he loved my show and he would support my show with messages and texts that came out of nowhere saying, you're so good at what you do. I listen all the time. He was among the first people to reach out when the news of my layoff, uh, you know, hit the wire. And, and he was just so supportive. And it makes me think, was I always there to support him? And it's that kind of introspection that you only go through when real life and death things happen. So before we get happy and have a little fun and hop into Club Plus to end 
the first portion of our double date today because you will hopefully be back tonight around the two-minute warning of the 49ers and Chargers game for a little late-night plusin together. Um, and we are building a beautiful little community here. Take care of each other. Love each other. Reach out and check in on each other. Uh, hug each other. Big, big, warm Michael Urban hugs, which was easier for him to do because he was like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, just a big dude. Um, love each other. Check in on each other. If you've got a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and you just got distance or phone or life separating you, carve out a little time this weekend. Um. I can only hope that Michael left us naturally. Although at the age of 55, there's nothing natural about that. It's a tragedy no matter how he slipped off this mortal coil. But um, I will miss Michael Urban. He was a good guy. Cheers, Michael. What a sweetheart. Love each other. Take care of each other. Remember to please, if you're just hanging out tonight, looking for a group of people to hang out with, come hang out with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about football like adults, and uh, we're going to come together and have ourselves a little fun tonight. So I hope you plan on being a part of it. Thank you very much for tuning in on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast today, thank you. We will be putting the post-game show up on podcast. So if you miss it tonight, you'll have it this weekend to consider. And thank you for joining me here today, Jillian, yesterday. Thank you for being a part of this family. It means an awful lot to me. And because we don't say it enough, I love you. I really do. I love you. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.